Welcome. You are listening to Sunday Afternoon Films with me, Christopher Windsor, part of the Iconochromatic Podcast Network. Before I begin, I will warn you there will be spoilers about the film, so if you've not seen this before, I would recommend switching off, watching the film first, and then coming back and listening to this podcast. Other than that, enjoy the show. Good afternoon and welcome to Sunday Afternoon Films with me, Christopher Windsor, and with my host, Mike Larkin. I used to call you a co-host, but I don't think I want to call you a co-host anymore, Mike, because, you know, you've become a fairly permanent fixture now, really, haven't you? I think so, yeah. Um, like dry rot. I, yeah, no, I don't think you're dry rot. I mean, dry rot, you can get rid of you, I can't, so, <laughs> you know. Um yeah, I know. So, um, welcome back, everybody. And if you've listened to our last couple of episodes, thank you very much for listening. Uh, we need all the publicity we can get, including me trying to give it to my parents to tell their friends what I do. The difficulty is that my parents don't have a clue what a podcast is. So trying to get them to tell people about it is actually a lot harder than you think. Because it's like, yeah, he does this thing on the internet, but I don't know what it is. <laughs> not brilliant. Not brilliant. Anyway, this uh, week's selection is actually um, Mr. Light, Mr. Larkin's um, selection, one Blazing Saddles. Um, so, on that basis, Mike, as it is your choice this week, I shall allow you to introduce it. Oh, I think I think a lot of people out there will probably know the movie. Um, it's, it's considered a comedy classic. It's been named on the 1001 films to see before you die list. Um and uh, it's a film it can divide opinions, I think, depending on you know when what your experience of it was when you first saw it, things like that. Um for me, I grew up watching it and so maybe my opinion is going to be I, I would imagine different to yours just be, just because I grew up with it and I knew the kind of the comic beats that were coming. Um, but basically, it's just, it's the story of you know uh, simple folk in the West who you know don't have much experience, and suddenly they're thrusting, they're given a young black sheriff called Bart, which um, which doesn't sit too well with them. <laughs> but this being the old West, of course, you know black men are considered lesser somehow than everyone else and so they don't look you don't treat him with the respect he's due um and there are several scenes setting this up in which the uh the johnsons of the town are green everyone everyone has the name johnson in the, in the, in the town um all treating with disdain and disrespect uh which he gradually wins them over by proving He's smarter than they are, basically. <laughs> so yeah, I, I think that's it. Oh, sorry, it's basically, they're trying to um, they're trying to demolish this town, which which they find out as a plot later. Uh, so he, he helps save the town, which uh, which they all enjoy in like, obviously because the because the town stays intact. 
Um, I, th I think I think it is worth saying at the moment that you know, and, and I think we've said this in the past that there probably will be spoilers um, in this review. Um, to to really, I think to really discuss what it's about and why it has left such an impact on people. Um, I think we are going to have to enter spoiler territory. So if you've not seen the film, go away, watch it, come back, and see what you think. Well, if you've um, not seen almost 43 years old you really haven't got much excuse anymore you know you're absolutely right i i think it's amazing that people still haven't seen you know if you've never seen this film what have you been doing with your life frankly i i can say that as i watched it 24 hours ago for the first time so i'm allowed to say that now <laughs> now you are yeah. now i am yes i mean that that does actually take me on, on to the opening of, of of what i really have to say I've been told on more than one occasion that I'm somewhat contrary when it comes to films. That I enjoy films um, that, that I watch because others don't. And I dislike films that people like um, because I, I don't want to like what they like, as it were. I, I don't think this is true. I'm not that much of a rebel. I, I'm not that much of an outsider. I, I don't have the time for You're that. I mean, I don't know, Mike. You've you've known me for a while. I mean, what 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 do you think? Am I am I that contra? Am I that country um, critic? Would you say? Am I that up my own ass, as it were? I wouldn't say so. You, you know, I mean, you certainly watch films that are outside of my general scope. I'd say, and pro probably vice versa, which I think I think works well with us in that. Um, you introduce me to films that I normally wouldn't watch or ha have an idea about, and, and vice versa. I've introduced you to films that you wouldn't normally watch and put you kind of outside of your comfort zone. Um, Blazing Saddles is a film I knew little about, except the fact that it was a Western that was made by Mel Brooks that took up a lot of ideas that people had about Westerns and sort of flipped around a bit. Um, it was a film that used outdated stereotypes and made a mockery of that to prove a point. And I can see what people mean when they say that. I mean, you know, we're, we're, we're going to get into this later. But the synopsis from IMDb, which I think sums up pretty well, was The Ultimate Western Spoof, a town where everyone seems to be named Johnson in, in, is in the way of a railroad. In order to grab their land, um, Hedley Lamey, Harvey Comain, a, a politically connected nasty person, sends in his henchmen and makes the town unavailable. After the sheriff is killed, the town demands a new sheriff from the governor, played by Mel Brooks. Hedley convinces him to send the town the first black sheriff, played by Cleveland Little, in the west. Bart is a sophisticated Ubernite who will have some difficulty winning over the townspeople. And I think that sums it up pretty well, actually. So It, it, it pretty much does. Um... And there are a couple of couple of places where the idea for this for this story came from. Um, the original story outline was written by someone called Andrew Bergman. Um, oh yes, that name came up. Yeah, which Mel Brooks described as hip, a kind of hip 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 talk, nineteen seventy four talk and expressions happening in the old west. And if you look at the Black Sheriff, uh, he is very much. A 1970s black guy. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's that whole thing of he doesn't understand why these people have got a problem with him to begin with, and I think he you think he plays it very well. He he plays it extremely well, and 
Uh, one, one of the notes that Mel Brooks gave the writers, and it was a team of writers, uh, was please don't write a polite script. And I think with this type of thing, you have to go politically incorrect, as it were. Though, of course, this was the 1970s. There was no such thing as politically correct back then. <laughs> um, the term just didn't exist. So I, th- I think with this type of thing, you can't be sensitive because you have to point out kind of how stupid these people are. Um and you kind of have to have to hold a mirror up to them and say, look, this is who you are. This is how you're being. And it's based on nothing else but this man, the colour of this man's skin. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Mel, Mel Brooks, I think, is generally known for making spill, uh, spoofs rather, of films that either exist or a genre that is already well known of. Um, the the three main films that I knew of before seeing this that had been made by um, Mel Brooks um, were Young Frankenstein, Spaceballs, and Robin Hood Men in Tights. I think I've seen Spaceballs, I've not seen anything of Young Frankenstein, and I think I've seen the Men Were Manly Men scene from Robin Hood Men in Tights, but I can't remember the rest of the film. Um... And that's just a few of what he's done to date. He seems to have a massive list of things that he's done. I mean, I'm not the biggest fan of Mel Brooks in the world, not because I dislike his films, but just because I've never been drawn to them and I don't really care in all honesty. Um, you know, I, I've see, as I say, I've seen parts of uh, Men in Tights, but until last night, Blazing Saddles is the first Mel Brooks film I've really sat through i mean what was what was your experience of mel brooks is, is this the first time you'd seen him or were you well aware of mel brooks before you even came to this me i was well aware of mel brooks i've been a fan of mel brooks for years because he's he's kind of like even though he's he's a comedy director he's a kind of a fearless filmmaker and in that he he doesn't really hold back on genre stereotypes. He's he's not afraid to go boldly where no man has gone before. And uh, he will kind of not not break new ground, so to speak. But he, you know, he'll kind of because he obviously to to give a little backstory on Mel Brooks. He's Jewish, grew up in Brooklyn in the 1930s. Um, so he's experienced the racism, you know, from from that side of things, and he kind of he's experienced it. So he's one of the people that can can go, yeah, this is how stupid you're being, because he he's had both sides of it. Um. I mean, you can imagine being being a Jewish kid growing up in New York in, in the in the 1920s and 30s. Uh, I mean, the guy was born what 1926, so he's 91 now. He's seen everything. Very much so. Yeah. I mean, have have the people like um, and I, I was almost about to say the Zuckerberg brothers, but not the Zuckerberg brothers at all. Um. Oh god, what were their names? The people who made um, airplane. Oh, uh, the Zuckers. That was it. I knew. I knew it was something along those lines. You know, have have people like the Zuckers and people like Kevin Smith 
ever credited Mel Brooks in, in any of their influences because I can almost see, especially, you know, the Zuckers that uh, having very much of an influence um, as, as Mel Brooks. Yeah, you can see a very similar vein running through the, the kind of humour, the spoof humour. I mean, because they were around the same time, weren't they, to an extent? Yeah, I mean, the Zuckers were... I mean, Mel Brooks has been around... Let me just have a look. His earliest credits. Um, Mel Brooks has been around since the 60s. I'm just going uh, to see what, uh, what the Zuckers have made as well, just to do a, a quick comparison. Let's say he's actually been around since the 1940s. 1949 is the earliest credits as a writer. So we're talking, you know, a few, just a few years after this, the end of the Second World War. Um, let's have a look when David Zucker started. Uh, of course, David Zucker and Jim Abrahams uh, made it, uh, made Airplane. So let's see what David Zucker's been doing and how long he's been going. Um, oh, he's born in 1947. Ah, yes, his first film was Kentucky Fried Movie that he was involved with, and then Airplane in the 1980s. So, yeah, probably probably just a few years then, afterwards. I mean, I can, I can definitely... I don't know if he has credits to them, but I can definitely see that kind of similar... And maybe it's to do with... Um, I, I don't know what his background is, if he is also Jewish, but... Maybe it's something to do with that background um, of being... Because he's got a, a German surname born in America. Um, so maybe it's, it's to do with that a kind of similarity. Possibly. I mean, you know, without wishing to sound um, somewhat stereotypical or anything along those lines, you know, you do tend to see a lot of Jewish comedians, don't you? It's it's just kind of it's just kind of the truth. Um, it's not a bad thing. You, have to, you know, you think you think about some of the comedians we've had who've been Jewish, and they've been some of the funniest men we've ever seen. Oh, I mean, the main one that um, the main one that sticks out for me uh, is is Jerry Seinfeld. Yeah, then you've got you know George Burns, Woody Allen, um, Sammy Davis Jr. Yeah, there's been um, there's been quite a few of them, to say the very least, really, isn't hasn't there? Even even David Baddiel. Oh, sorry, David Baddiel. I From didn't. Yeah. I didn't even think of him. I've got to say, but yeah, let's um, but let's 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 try get on back to um, to blazing to saddles. Um, I mean, I've I've got to say, I've got to be completely honest with you, I. I've got no necessary desire to see this again. It didn't make me laugh. I didn't find it especially funny. Some parts of it made me st- made me smile. But honestly, and, and I know this is kind of the point of the film, but the outdated stereotypes and the racism were clearly there to make you feel uncomfortable. You know that that's just that's just the way it was, and you know to show that at one stage it was acceptable, but clearly it no longer is. But honestly, I I struggled with that. Again, though, this is a film that's forty three years old. Those stereotypes were outdated when it was made. Yeah, I, <laughs> I mean the thing is, you know, I want to say. 
I want to say that you know this is a good film. In some, honestly, I, th I think I'm wrong, and maybe I'm just struggling to understand it. And I want to bring up a few things which are good, but I'm going to do in a moment. And and that's a shame because, I, as I said, I don't like, I don't dislike the film. I like spoof. I like I like parody. Um, you know, I love Life of Brian and Christopher Holly Grail by Monty Python. Um, those were two great films, but I'm just not sure that this this film was clever enough to match those films. It seemed to rely on the same joke over and over again. And it seemed to say, how far can we push this joke? And they didn't seem to know the ending. They didn't seem to know when to stop. And I don't know, maybe maybe I'm being a bit harsh, but that's just how it now, felt. Now, just ask Chris, what for you was the joke you thought you were trying to push? I, I think it was just the stereotype of how the white man is in especially back in those days I, I i don't know it's hard to explain but i just didn't get it I, I don't know this didn't make me laugh and that's sad because i'm sure that it was i mean i don't know if it, help 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 me out here what, what do you think i mean obviously that you are right it was the joke of you know the you know these stupid white men um and it was also it was also meant to be kind of the more the more racist characters are the ones who eventually end up on the losing side. It's the ones who are more accepting of the black sheriff who kind of come out victorious. Yeah, I mean that that's that's the great thing about the um, you know and, and we'll get into characters um, in a little while, but I think that's the best thing about Gene Wilder um, was. He came into this. It, it was he didn't care. It, it wasn't a particularly big deal for him. He he was who he was, and you know he he just got on with it. Um, you know, and and there was, I mean, there was a lot of comedic thing. There was a lot of there was a lot of comedic aspects of this film. Now that I think about it, I mean, you know, the the things now that I've, now that I'm actually thinking about it more, you know, where he's talking about, you know, he's got the steadiest hand. You know, look at my hand. Is it steady? Steady as a rock. And he's like, yeah, he's like, yeah, it's a shame that I have to shoot with my other hands. Um, or when he when he arrives in the um, in the town itself, and they're all questioning why he's there, and he puts a gun to his head, and starts threatening himself and the town people. Completely alluded to this, you know. The worst. Now that I think about it, the worst out of parts are quite funny. Um, and also, I seem to remember a horse being hung at one point, which I'm not sure if that's funny or not, but it made me laugh at the time. Oh, the medieval hangman. Yeah, it was just it was crap at his job, but yeah, I mean, as as we we're saying earlier today, you couldn't make this film these days. I don't think the use of language, how women are treated, it simply wouldn't be acceptable. In fairness, even the writers have said you couldn't make this film today, and no. that, that was probably many years ago when he said that. So, um. You're right. It's it's not a film that could or should even be made today. Um, apparently, the the story, the, the where he aims the gun at his head to save himself from the townspeople, was based on something from Mel Brooks's childhood. Right. Um, and he said that to his disbelief, he stole some chewing gum and a water pistol from a drugstore, and when the store worker tried to stop him. He held the worker at bay with the very water pistol that he'd just taken. 
<laughs> so if you can imagine you're doing that with a water pistol, um, and and somebody's taking you seriously, wow, well, this kid's gonna shoot himself. And then, um, you know, you can see you can see why somebody would get away with it. I mean, I I don't think for one second that Brooks was in any way trying to be offensive or 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 racist. If anything, I think he was pointing at the people who still believe in these outdated outdated stereotypes, saying, "We're not laughing at these people. We're laughing at you because you're still under this 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 opinion. You're still you you still think this, and and it's admirable. It really is." For me, that's the point of comedy is is to highlight how stupid people can be. Yeah, uh, I mean, what what worries me, however, is there still is I think a percentage of um, an older generation who think that what was going on in this film was and is still slightly acceptable. Because that's how it was back in the day. Oh, that's just how we talked. Nobody knew any better. I'm not in support of altering history in any way or taking evidence, you know, away from this. But what worries me, as I say, is that you could get people who do still think there's nothing wrong with this. And the minute you question it and say, no, this is horrible, this is wrong, they're going to suddenly stand up and say, oh, this is political correctness gone mad. No, it's not political correctness. It's about being racist. And the problem is, and I'm not going to call them out on it, but there are a number of people in my life who I can think probably would shed, probably would have that opinion and say, no, this is just how it was back in the day. This is how people spoke. So it's oh, okay. It's no, it's just not okay. It's not okay. And there's, there's a line in it. Um, and Cleveland Little, who plays the sheriff, wasn't prepped for this line at all. He wasn't told where it was going to be. As where Gene Wilder says, What did you expect? Welcome, Sonny. Make yourself at home. Marry my daughter. You've got to remember that these are just simple farmers. These are people of the land. The common clay of the New West. You know, morons. <laughs> put you in a little after he burst out and you can see in the film he burst out laughing because he wasn't expecting that line that is a good line I've got to say that, that, is, that is very good oh, it, it, that's, that kind of for me sums up the entire movie mm-hmm. um, just saying you know yeah these people are ridiculous but you've just got to roll with it yeah um, okay, well, if you if we've not got anything much more to say about the story, um, should we should we talk about some of the characters um, for for a little bit? I mean, we've we've got some of Mel Brooks's you know frequent collaborators in, in here. Let <laughs> um, me just see. I'm just going on to the cast list now. Obviously, you've got Madeline Kahn who plays really really bunched up. Who you said that I would recognise, but honestly, I didn't recognise her from Clue. Did you not? I mean, I, I knew it was her, but I didn't. I wouldn't have, if had I not known that that was Madeleine Kahn, I I wouldn't have been able to guess that. Um, it was only because I was expect I was waiting to see Madeleine Kahn. She looked very different to um to how she did in um in Clue. That's for sure. You really think so? I apart from the hair, I thought she looked exactly the same. Really? Yeah. 
don't know. Maybe it was just me. Maybe. Cle- cle- clearly it was, because you, you seem to recognise her. Um, but, but, I mean, that, that was the... Obviously, as well as Gene Wilder, that was the that was the main name that um, that stood out for me. Um, uh, Harvey Corman, who plays Elton Lamar, and he's another frequent collaborator of, um, of Mel Brooks's. He's been in History of the World Part, part 1. I'll just go through his... He was in High Anxiety, another Mel Brooks movie. Um, Boys and Saddles, obviously. He was in uh, History of the World Part 1, as I've said. Let me see. I'm sure there were more Mel Brooks appearances. Dracula Dead and Loving It. Oh yeah, I've heard of that. I've never seen it, but heard of it. Um, and yeah, he's he's been been a few. Uh, you've got obviously got Gene Wilder, who's known very much for his collaboration on Young Frankenstein, which he uh, which he also wrote. And I think also. Um... You know, and and sadly, Gene Wilder is no longer alive. But um, I think for a lot of people our age, um, his most memorable role really was Willy Wonka and Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Not for me, I'm afraid to say I hated that movie. Really? Um, I mean, yeah. We we might save that for another discussion. But what what was it mainly that you didn't like about it? I just thought. It, it it went too far from the from the source from the source material. Yeah. And this was this was one that you know famously even even the author hated the movie version. How strange. I wonder what Roald Dahl would because he's dead, isn't he, Roald Dahl? He, he is unfortunately dead, Roald Dahl. I wonder uh, what he would have made of the Johnny Depp version. Yeah, either probably wanted to kick Johnny Depp in the face like I do every time I see him. I mean, I, I've not seen the uh, Johnny Depp version of Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. I don't think it's even called. Um, I don't think it's even called that, is it? Although, is it Willy Wonka and the yeah. Chocolate Factory yeah. in America, and it's Charlie and the Chocolate Factory in this country? It, the Johnny Depp one is Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. It's not Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. That's it. Yeah. Uh, um, which, apart, which is. I think it's it's probably um, Tim Burton's way of separating it from the original movie. Well, uh, which, which is fair. I mean, the the thing about Willy Wonka that I love the most, really, is it inspired one of the creepiest and one of the nastiest opening tracks to a album that I've ever heard in my life. Well, in that case, fair enough. Have you have you heard? Um, Marilyn Manson's cover, as it were, of the boat ride song. I can't say I have. Oh, good God, it's freaking. Seriously, listen to it. It's 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 brilliant. It's Marilyn Manson. Oh, what what else can we expect from? I I just love to go into it into it into a junior school somewhere and start playing it and say, "Hey, kids, you know that foamy love? Listen to this," and then scare the shit out of them for the rest of their lives. As if the boat ride scene isn't going to scare the shit out of them enough. Or maybe just, like, the ones that are on drugs might be okay. 
But let's not yeah. talk about kids being on drugs. Let, let's let's get back to the main characters because really we've got handing out mescaline to the kids. <laughs> I really, I think we've got four characters in this. Now I'm gonna, I'm possibly gonna get the first one wrong. So if I have, I do apologise. But it was from what I remember. Um, Slim Pickings, um, which I thought it was a joke name, to be honest with you, when I first oh, no. saw it on screen. I thought, was that a character name? And then I realised, no, that's actually someone's name. What yeah, parent that... calls, them kid, calls their kid Slim Pickings? In fairness, I used to, I used to work for a company and uh, we had a customer who his his name his real name isn't actually Slim Pickens by the way, it's uh, Louis Burton Lindley Junior. I prefer uh, that over Slim Pickens. Um but I used to work for a company who and we had a customer whose name his name wasn't Michael. It was Mike. He he'd actually been called Mike at birth and his surname was Hunt. Now you say those names together. Um, yes. Isn't, isn't, <laughs> yeah. there, isn't there a UFC fighter called that? I have no idea, but he was a very, un, let's say, unpleasant man. And, uh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, Slim Pickens. So, from what I remember, he was the, um, he was a kind of buffoonish sidekick, wasn't he? Yeah, it, it's a role he's played. Right. Well, and... He's, he plays that kind of yeehaw, kind of howdy fool in in quite a few films. Uh, you might have seen him in 1941. He was also in, um, where is it? Uh, Doctor Strangelove. I, I've not seen 90, 1941 in a very long time. Uh, and you know, this is actually quite a bad confession, but I don't think I've ever seen Doctor Strangelove. He's in Doctor Strange Love, and his role in 1941 actually spoofs his role in Doctor Strange Love. Hang on, it was 19... 1941, that was the Spielberg movie, wasn't it? It was. I thought it was, yeah. Well, um, it was vastly underrated, for my money. I need to see that again. I really need to watch it. But, I mean, Slim Pickens, he really, you know, I, I didn't think about this until now. But he is the Dougal of this film, isn't he? Yeah. He doesn't yeah. have a clue what's going on. He doesn't know what the purpose is. He doesn't know why they're there. And yet he seems to be filled with this sense of self-importance. That he, he is he is fantastic. And to be fair, you know, he, he got the most laughs in the film. And he did make me chuckle at the beginning. So for, for, for him alone, then good. He's basically the prized idiot. And um, yeah, that's that's he's he's a high muscle, the pro- and he, I don't think he's not there for his brains. Let's put it that way. <laughs> no, no, absolutely not. But you know, he he did he did make me laugh. So you know, good good for him. A mission accomplished from an actor. Maybe that's the job of the character. I think. I think so. Uh, so main characters. We've also got uh, Bart, played by Cleveland Little. Who is wonderful, I've got to say. Um, and I, Cleveland Little was actually a stage actor who who enjoyed, you know, performing the likes of Shakespeare um, and actually went back to that after 
after Blazing Saddles. Um, certainly no longer with us. A, a lot of the cast have, have now suddenly passed on. Um, and I thought I thought he was great in this. He did come uh, across as a very classical actor, as, as someone who you know was good at what he was. I think in this film, he commands the screen. Oh, absolutely! Uh, and and in and in what is a completely insane world, he. I mean. In in all in all you know, he's the only one who recognises that it's insane. Yeah, and I mean in in reality, he should have turned around and said, "You know what? No, I'm done. I don't want to be here." But then again, what else was he going to do? Exactly. And uh, I, I think they recognise even the movie acknowledges that it's an insane world. But you can't. It breaks the fourth wall multiple multiple times, and this is. 40 odd years before Deadpool ever thought about breaking the, the, the fourth wall um, and finally in the end acknowledges it's a movie yeah <laughs> it's, it's, it's only a movie as they say yeah um, and then we've got who have we got Gene Wilder uh, Jim got, yes as Jim uh, the Waco kid um, and Harvey Corman's Hedley Lamar now, there's a joke in the beginning of the movie, I don't know if you picked up on this, where uh, he's talking to the governor and he says, oh, Hedy Lamar, and he goes, Hedley, and he goes, hey, it's like 1879, you'll be able to sue her, um, which actually, the, the real actress, Hedy Lamar, later sued over the use of her name in the, in the movie. Right. So, before she even sued, he made reference to a fictional lawsuit, which then became real. I mean, I, I, I think I think the main thing to take from this is, you know, well, um, I don't know how ahead of this time, ahead of the time the film was in these in these terms, but I think what can be said about these characters is that they were representing very well what politicians possibly were like back in the day and what politicians still are i think um you know you, you know in in this you know maybe not quite as stupid but certainly um the, the one that sprung to mind for me um was bill clinton yeah you know that and and, and god you know i and i don't want to bash clinton at all because god knows at this stage in at this stage in history if they brought Clinton back, then frankly, I think the world would be a better place. But that's not why we're here. Um, I think he he is just your typical president, really, isn't he? In in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, let's let's get away from the from the politics. Yes. Because uh, we can do another show entirely, and um, probably have to do have to do five of them. But I, I do think the governor was a very good character, nonetheless, and it, you know. Um... He also played. Uh, oh, Mel Brooks also played the Indian chief. I don't know if you picked up on this when he was when he was speaking. Supposedly, his native language. He was actually speaking Yiddish. And no, I didn't catch that. I've got to say. Yeah. <laughs> he was he was speaking Yiddish as the as the Indian chief. Right. <laughs> Um, 
so yeah, that, that's the main. Let's go. Let's go back to the cast list though, just to see if we've just, just yeah. to make sure we haven't missed anyone else that was uh, that was Madeline Carr. Madeline Carr has really branched up. And she was very just, reserved in this, wasn't she? Can I just say, growing up, Madeline Carr was one of my favourite comedic actresses. <laughs> and I don't know if you know this, Chris, but Madeline Carr was actually. A classically trained opera singer. I, I could believe it. Um, a very singer, and she actually sings off key in this movie, which is very difficult for any for any kind of talented singer to do. Oh, it, is it that whole thing of like it, it's difficult to perform badly because you don't want to, sort of a thing? Yeah, it's because you've been trained to perform well. If you if you if you remember back to the eighties, Les Dawson, you know he used, to, he used to do his piano bit and he'd start off playing quite well, and then hit a hit a duff note. Yeah. Uh, so it's very very hard to go against that against that classical training. So for for anyone to do it, actually takes a level of talent that you can't believe. Uh, we we have to do Clue. I, I, I want to talk about it now. Um, I mean, we won't, but yeah, I mean, Madeleine Cart was just so funny in Clue. You know, and I'll stop talking about it in a minute because I've already said that we shouldn't do it right now. Um, because she was so straight in that film, you know, she she everybody. was just brilliant in my opinion. Well, every, everybody was straight, but well, yeah, everybody was actually. You now that I think about it recently, really. I think the only person that wasn't straight, and I think he's. He was he was allowed free reign to have a bit of a, a bit of a wink at the audience in that movie with Tim Curry. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think they, they they probably told they probably gave him very different instructions on how to play the role than the, the rest of the cast. He was just beautiful in it. Let's be honest, wasn't he? Oh, it's, I, I I even watching it now, you can you can just see him having a little wink at the camera. <laughs> but yes, um, go, go, going back to Madeline Kahn though for a second, because that's how we that's how we got started talking about Clue. Um, she just didn't seem to have as I don't know. She just didn't seem to have as much presence in this film. She just didn't stand out for me as much as she did um, in Clue. And and maybe it's just because I wasn't really paying attention to her as much as I was in Clue. Because um, you know, in in that film, she had a I think she had a much bigger role in this in um, in Blazing Saddles. Um, my God, Madeline Kahn was an American town. Fair dues. Uh, sorry, I'll get off. I'll get off a credits page now. Um, in in this, it seemed to be a much smaller role. She didn't seem to have much to do. Uh, yeah, she did, and she didn't. I mean, she was she was there as kind of the love interest of two of the characters, if you think about it. Um, and she was she was there to kind of try and seduce the uh, the sheriff. Um, and there's there's a line where um, obviously she's playing a German character, and Harvey Corman, um, she she, I can't remember. What, let me just find it on the IMDb page on the quotes page because it's a line that always stuck with me. What what he calls her. Oh, um, 
I can't remember what she said, but he turns around and says, Oh, shut up, you Teutonic twat. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> and this is an American movie. You know, Americans don't use the word twat often. No, if, if anything, I think they use the word twat. If I that... No, the Australians use the word twat. Uh, the Americans use the word twat. Um, yeah. I think I seem to remember Tony Soprano saying it a couple of times, but in a lot more vicious environment. Yeah, probably. Um, it's a show I've never really seen. No, no, same here, same here. Um, okay, well, I'm. I think I'm going to do a bit of a conclusion list, and then you know, if 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 you've got anything further to say. Um, we, we can absolutely go with it. Um, I, as I say, I don't hate this film by any means. I've seen a lot of films that I've disliked thoroughly, and this film is not a film I disliked by, by any stretch. It's certainly not up there. The problem is for me, it's just another film I've seen. It left me feeling ambivalent, and it left me not really care about it one way or the other. It's not a film I would recommend, nor is it a film that if someone said to me, is it worth watching, I would tell them no. You know, I'd probably say, look, it didn't ring my bell, but it may well do for you. And to be fair, based on how other people have spoken about this film, it's clearly loved, and clearly it has left a mark on people, and it's just something that I don't get. Rather like Blues Brothers was the other week, it just left me a little bit cold. The thing with comedy is I think it's always going to be one of the toughest genre of film to make because, you know, obviously it is so subjective. You know, it, it's based on how others feel. I think writing comedy is incredibly difficult. You can write drama easily you can write horror easily you can write a romantic comedy easily but comedy that's an entirely different beast i'm glad i've seen this film and in comparison to some of the more serious films i watch on a weekly basis this is better because at least it knows what it's trying to achieve and for that i will give it credit but more than that it's, it's never trying to be highbrow no it, it's not to be fair it's, it's just Let's just state that out clearly. It's never, it's never trying to be anything more than what it is, which is, you know, it's a silly, silly movie. It doesn't take itself seriously at any point. It doesn't, while it addresses the issues, it doesn't try and throw them in your face in the way some other films will. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, it's, it's comedy for comedy's sake, which is always going to be kind of a dividing point, I think. Um, some people enjoy... I enjoy silly comedies. I enjoy comedies that have a point. I enjoy all kinds of comedies, as you know. For me, if a, if a, if a film is funny, I'll enjoy it. Um yeah. Some films are funny without trying to be. Some films are funny because they're so ridiculous in the. Pre- I mean, I can point at the sci-fi genre for thousands of those type of movies. <laughs> you know, they're not trying to be funny, but they just are. Um, this is a film that I think it's it's funny just because it's not trying to be to be anything other than a comedy movie. It's not trying to be politically correct. It's 
satirical without being overly intelligent about it, while also being incredibly intelligent about it. Um, I don't know how else to describe it, really. Um, Yeah. I know what you mean. This is the difficulty of comedies. You know, I think the problem is that there is a point with a lot of comedies where you do just start getting into into a quote fest. And the problem is, I don't know this film well enough to start doing quotes about it. I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe you can you can throw some quotes at me, Mike, and I'll uh, I'll see how it, see if I laugh or not. I uh, had no off in the past. I hate that cliche. <laughs> yes, that does actually ring a bell with me. Because um, it, 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 it came out of nowhere, didn't it? There's also the scene um, where the in they break into the into the other movie studio and Dom DeLuise. Oh, of course, yeah, that's how it ends, isn't it? And Dom DeLuise, when he when he gets frustrated, just stomps in town and goes, "Watch me, faggots!" Actually, yeah, let, let's talk let's talk yeah. about the ending actually, because I, I completely forgot to even mention that. So you know, again, spoiler, spoiler, spoiler. So, but yeah, do, do you want to explain the ending, Mike? Um, yeah, the ending basically the. It ends up in a, in a big kind of chase, and um, it pans out of the western setting and shows the the Warner Brothers water tower, the famous tower, in the background to reveal that this is actually part of a movie studio. Um, they break out of their set and start invading other sets, including at one point the Warner Brothers commissary. Basically, the dining room, <laughs> and they end up breaking into a musical number, being directed by Dom DeLuise as a character called Buddy Bazaar, which uh, is the French mistake, which has been parodied many times, and it's actually the basis of the the Family Guy introduction. Of course, yeah, I didn't even pick up on that. Yeah, so it's revealed that these characters are actually part of a movie. They know they're in a movie, and um, and Buddy Bazaar actually says, "Wait, wait, what are you doing? You know, this is a closed set." And there's there's a line where he goes, "Screw you, buddy! I'm working for Mel Brooks," and <laughs> goes to punch him, which um, is a standout. Again, breaking through the fourth wall for me. Um, actually, yeah, it's just the movie. You know, none of these people are taking this shit seriously. Um, and it, it kind of put, pulls you out of. Up until this point, it's been it's kind of felt like a real world, and then it's just um, it's pointing out and saying, "Listen, this is just a movie. Don't take it seriously at all." Which is actually quite a nice ending, and I think you know, I I don't I can't think of any any way to end it differently. I thought it worked very well because of that. Well, should we call it time there? I think we should because I I don't really have an awful lot more to say. Um, the only thing I would say is, you know, watch this. What? It, you know, I I do think it's worth watching at least once. Um, you may disagree with me, you may disagree with Mike, but ultimately I think what's important is 
I can understand why people do like this film. I completely get it. It's, I, I would just say you have to remember if it's your first time watching it, you have to remember this film was made in 1974. It's 43 years old. It's very much a product of its time. And yeah. it used language that will not be that is not acceptable today. In order to make a point, which is that you know racism for the sake of racism is still racist. Yes, absolutely. Uh, so it's it you know you you have to accept the language that is used then in that film, and especially in the setting of when it's set, which is eighteen seventy nine, is the language that was around. It's not. The language that's acceptable now at any or at any point, but it's the language that was used. So you have to remember that. You can't sit there and go, well, how dare they? Because it's, you know, it's 43 years ago. It's just how people speak. Um, without wanting to say, without wanting to excuse it, it was to make a point. It yeah. wasn't. Racism for the sake of racism. It was racism to make a point on racism. I agree. I agree. Well, yeah. Well, okay. So let's call time on this thing. Um, once again, this has been Sunday Afternoon Films with me, uh, with Mike Larkin. Thank you very much for listening if you have. Um, it's always appreciated. If you have um, enjoyed what you've heard, please consider subscribing. Um, this can be found on both SoundCloud. I'm, I'm doing the outro, sir. What, what, what are you doing? I'm saying, the soundtrack. I'm saying to share it. Honestly, you invite the man off for a few weeks and he thinks he's big enough that he can interfere with my outro. <laughs> what the actual fuck? I'm going to start again. Well, thank you very much for listening to Sunday Afternoon Podcast with me, Christopher Windsor, and with that bloke, Mike Larkin, who will shut up. If you have enjoyed what you've heard, please consider subscribing and listening on SoundCloud. Uh, it can also be found on my website, if you also enjoy films, please listen to the Iconic Erratic website with me and Derek Anthony Williams, which comes out roughly every three weeks where we talk about more up-to-date films and we go into quite a bit less detail, but simply because we have to get through so many films in one period of time. Um, yeah, this has been part of the Iconic Erratic um, Studio Network. Thank you very much. And now you can talk, Mike. I'll just say... Um... Share the house with send it to your friends, family, loved ones, hated ones. Um, yeah, especially especially your hated ones. If you think yeah. it's good, if you think it's going to wind them up, send it to them and then send a mail out how much because I don't mind annoying people. I've got to say. And then tell them to send it to people they want to wind up, get the numbers up. It'll be like the ring. <laughs> Less evil. <laughs> right. We won't, we, we won't cross your telly. <laughs> I'm gonna press this. I'm gonna press the stop record button now. Thank you very much, y'all. Bye. This has been Sunday Afternoon Films with me, Christopher Windsor, on the podcast network Iconochromatic. Thank you for listening. Bye bye.